The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. This season, we are, we are um, starting a new series new full recovery full recovery and today it's part one of the series full recovery today we are looking at recover your passion recover your passion usually before we lose anything. The first thing the enemy attacks or the first thing people lose is their passion. Before you lose your marriage, you must lose the passion. Before you lose the job, you must first lose the passion. Before you drift off in your destiny, you must first lose the passion. But today, you will recover your passion in the mighty name of Jesus. You see, the, the creative force behind great music, the creative force behind great architecture, great drama, great art, great advancement is passion. The creative force behind anything great that you can see is passion. It's passion. If you are wearing a beautiful dress this morning that you did not make, Somebody was passionate about making that dress for you. Even if you are wearing a t-shirt, somebody's passion. Somebody was passionate about making that for you. So, no one can live a great life without passion. No one can live a great life without passion. If the enemy wants to make you live an ordinary life, the first thing he wants to attack is your passion. If the enemy wants to make your marriage dry and boring and ordinary, the first thing he attacks is the passion. But today, you will recover your passion. If the enemy wants to make your work with Jesus boring and monotonous and dry, the first thing he attacks is your passion. There's no passion to fast anymore. There's no passion to pray. There's no passion for the things of God. You will recover your passion in the mighty name of Jesus. So passion is what creates greatness. Passion is what creates greatness. Passion is what mobilizes armies to battle. Passion is what mobilizes scientists to discover new things. It's passion that makes ordinary people do extraordinary things. Passion. It's passion that makes ordinary people walk in the supernatural. It's passion. It's passion that makes ordinary people fast for 21 days and God will do it again. It's, it's passion. Praise the name of the Lord. It's passion. So passion is what energizes life. I'd rather hang out with passionate people 
than hang out with passionless people. I, I really can't stand people that don't have no zest, no passion, no nothing. You know? Today, God will fill you with his fire and passion in Jesus' name. Passion energizes life. So you are not just existing. You are living. When your life is without passion, you are just existing. You are just going from day to day. God made you to live a passionate life. You were created to be passionate. You say, oh, well, maybe it's my temperament. You know, some of us, we are not passionate. No, 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 no. The temperament... Passion is not, one, it's not a temperament. You, you can be passionate regardless of your temperament. God wants you to live with vitality. God wants you to live with vibrancy, with energy. He wants you to live with enthusiasm. He doesn't want you to be gloomy. Every time you get home, I'm tired. You're tired. Day one, you're tired. Day two, you're tired. Day three, you're tired. Day four, you're tired. Day five, one week has gone. No action, you're tired. Something is wrong with that. Week two, you're still tired. Ah, no, no, no. Something is wrong with that. Something is wrong with that. Today, God will strike the match in the name of Jesus. You know, because if you look at the Bible, John 10, 10, the B version, Jesus is saying, my purpose is to give them, that is you and I, a rich and satisfying life. A life that is full of vitality. That is God's heart for, for you. In 1 Corinthians 1, 9. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It's a very interesting passage of scripture. The MSG translation, it says that, that God, who got you started... In this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. We won't read the remaining part for now. We'll come back to the scripture. You know, God got you started. Who got us started? It's God. God got you started in this spiritual boredom, in this spiritual monotony. In this spiritual routine, God, God has started in this spiritual adventure. You see, to follow Jesus is to be on an adventure. Anything short of that, check your work with God. Something is wrong. It's a spiritual adventure. It's scary. It's um, stretching. It's dangerous. You know what I'm telling you? It's an adventure. And to recover your passion in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship, to recover your passion in your business, in your finances, in, in, in your work with God, in your work for God, in church, in serving. So a lot of people have lost their passion to serve God. Today, God will rekindle it in the mighty name of Jesus. So to recover your passion, you must overcome what we've called passion killers. There are passion killers. You know, when, when I was preparing for this um, message, there were way more than eight passion killers. It was like I was drinking water from a fire hydrant. It was like a horse and I had to drink, you know. But we are going to look at eight <laughs> passion killers 
that we have to prevail over. The first one is this. First passion killer you need to down and bury is an unclear purpose. An unclear purpose. An unclear purpose. Without a clear purpose, you go through life by default. You don't go through life by design. Without a clear purpose, you're just going through life. You're just going through life. I mean, this is okay. We are, it's time to go to school. Finish school? Okay. I'm, 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 it's time to serve. Okay. Is that what everybody's doing? Okay. We'll finish serving. Okay. After serving, then I'm looking for a job. Then, then what? Then you're waiting for the job to come. And the time is going. And you're still waiting for if something is wrong with that model. Something is wrong with that model. You were created for a purpose. You were designed to fulfill something. I'm not saying you should go to school. You have to go to school. It's required. It helps you. Sometimes we are like the writer in Isaiah 49 verse 4 when he laments and he says, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my energy in vain and for nothing. My life is like I'm going round and round. I'm living and I'm just I'm not living, rather. I'm just existing. That is not God's plan for you. Purpose and passion go together. If you see a purposeful person, you have seen a passionate person. If you see a passionate person, consistent passionate person, consistently passionate person, you've seen a purposeful person. If you've seen passionless person most of the time if there are other passion killers I know we're going to talk about but a lot of the time brother you've just encountered someone that has no clue at all no clue why because the more you know your purpose in life the more passionate you become because purpose creates passion the more you know your, your purpose the more passionate you become the more, the more I know my purpose, the more passionate I become. The more you know your purpose, the more passionate you become. Nobody can talk you out of it. Then they put a gun on your head, you, you want to do it. So instead of just making motion without progress, when you have a purpose, you are making motion. And you are making progress. So without a purpose, life is motion without meaning. Without a purpose. Motion without meaning. Motion without meaning. And in God's favorite house, really, everyone in God's favorite house should be filled with purpose. We should be filled with a sense of purpose. There is Almost no way, with an open heart, with a hungry heart, you will go through the journey and you will come out of that experience without understanding, ah, now I get it. There's no way. If you are still groping, go and do the journey. Go and do the journey. Start the journey. 
There are people that are doing the journey twice. Some people have registered for, it for a second time. Why? Because they, they can't shake it off. Finally. But if you go through the journey as, as an academic endeavor, okay, we have to go through the journey. Let's go through. So if the pastor sees me next time and say, I have gone through the journey. I've done the journey. I'll show you my certificate. You know, this is the problem with, with us from part of the world. We go to, we are, we go to school just to, to show you a certificate, you know, not to become um, something. You know, we forget that what happens in you is more important than what you display for people. What happens in you is more important. So you can make a third class and change the world. And you can make a first class and still be in servitude. Why? Because it is what happens in you that matters. Go and do the journey. Say to your neighbor, ask them, have you done the journey? Ask, 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 ask. Come on. Ah, we need to go quickly, quickly. So, purpose answers why. Why? And your why must be bigger than you. Your purpose answers your why, but your why must be bigger than you. If, if, if your why, your purpose, your reason is, is just about you, your family, your wife, your children, this is too small. That cannot be God's purpose for you. I want to have a good job so I can have a beautiful wife, so I can have five children. And we can live happily ever after. It's too small. So, number one passion killer is what? An unclear purpose. The second passion killer is an unsupported lifestyle. An unsupported lifestyle. You see, we were made to need Others who were made to need other people. Two are better than one because if one falls, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one. So when you have a, 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 a life that is not supported, you don't have a system of support around you. Around you. You, you want to fly alone. You, you, you are not going to fly very far. You are going to burn out of passion. Because iron sharpens iron. Unfortunately, we have people, you know, when iron sharpens iron, you are going to see sparks, right? There's going to be a lot of friction. There's going to be a lot of heat. There's going to be a lot of spark. You see, some people don't want the spark. They don't want the heat. They don't want the friction. So they isolate themselves and put themselves in a spiritual, solitary confinement. One of the greatest ways of torturing a human being is not to put a, a nail through his finger. One of the greatest ways of torturing a human being is to put that human being in solitary confinement. Just walls, no interaction with any human being for six months. People begin to hallucinate. And I looked at all the symptoms symptoms, right, of solitary confinement that the people that go through solitary confinement go have, they are exactly the same thing on the spiritual side for people that have spiritual solitary confinement. They don't do life with nobody. They are lone rangers. Rambo, you know Rambo? They are usually hallucinating. They usually are paranoid. You greet them, they say, what does it mean by that? 
He didn't say good money. He said good money. You know, you, I mean, they, they, I can go through all the list. There's no time. I was doing that list. I'm like, wow. I've been pastoring for 12 years. 12? Yeah. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it, it is shocking. It's shocking. None of us is as strong as all of us. None of us. None of us is as anointed as all of us. None of us. So when we come up with life groups, you, do, you don't join. When you say come serve in church so that you, you have friends, you have people that are praying for you, you have people you are praying for, you dodge. Say, Pastor, don't you understand? I'm a lone ranger. I live in solitary confinement. Hebrews 10, 24 says, 25, 25, says, let us consider how we spoil one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage. The word encourage literally means to put fire into, to put courage into, to put zest into one another. When you live an unsupported lifestyle, you run out of passion easily. So, passion killer number one, an unclear purpose. Passion killer number two, an unsupported lifestyle. Passion killer number three, an unbalanced schedule. An unbalanced schedule. The truth is, many of us, we work too much. We overwork ourselves. And if you, if you are overworked, you are going to lose your passion. That's just truth. If you are overworked, you are going to lose your passion. Um, there's a coach, Coach Vince Lombardi, very great coach, American football. He says that fatigue makes coward of us all. No matter how strong you are, when you are fatigued, you become ordinary. You become Elijah. So fired up. He called down fire from heaven. Dealt with the prophets of Baal. He was fatigued. A small woman threatened him. He ran away. He ran away. He was fatigued. So fatigue drains your energy. It drains your passion. No energy, no passion. Psalm 127 verse 2. It says, it is senseless for you to work so hard from morning until late at night, fearing. No people push themselves because of fear. Fearing you will starve to death. For God wants his, his loved ones to get proper rest. God wants you to get proper rest. God wants you to rest. Properly. Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, I have learned why people work so hard to succeed. He says it is because they envy the things their neighbors have. Uh, some wives, they push their husbands like slave drivers, unbelievably. Why? 
because they want to have what the neighbor have. So the question is, why do you want what you want? There's nothing wrong in being wealthy. There's nothing wrong. But why do you want what you want? Why do you want what you want? Passion killer number one is what? I see that all of them is they are having on, on, on. I don't know. Maybe we should remember them easily with those ons. So passion killer number one is what? Passion killer number two. Passion killer number three. Passion killer number four is an unfulfilled dream. An unfulfilled dream. Remember when you graduated from university, at least most of us, you felt, yes, we are going to take over, right? You felt we are going to conquer the world. You felt, I'm going to work for this number of years, buy this kind of car, you know, live in this kind of, you know, you had plans because, you know, but the Bible says that hope that is different, hope different, hope that takes long to realize, makes the heart sick, hope different kills the passion. After a while, they keep saying to you, face reality. Face reality. And that word kills passion. Because usually what God wants to do is not reality. God wants to do that which eyes have not seen. That which ears have not heard. That which has not even entered the minds of men. Through you. Through you. So, so when people around you say, face reality, be realistic. Just say to them, watch. We're about to change the, the new reality. <laughs> God wants you to be consistently fired up. You know, I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus. 22 years ago, I have people, and I, and I joined the local church, and you know, I was like on fire. I used to stay at Agbara Estate, right? Yeah? And my, the church was in Bagada, and workers' meeting was at 6 a.m., and I used to get to church almost before everybody. I was driving a car that that car can give up at any time. But once I enter the car, I just pray to the God of heaven. <laughs> this car must not break down. Imagine when I wake up, fired up. I didn't care. Fire, going, coming, going, coming. Someone said to me that, if you soon get tired, it's a green leaf. You know? 22 years, I'm still fired up. <laughs> I'm still... I was pushing the envelopes, pushing the boundaries. Why? Why? Because of these principles I'm teaching you. People will like to keep you down because they are down. Don't accept it. Years ago, you know, pastoring, one of my senior pastors then, you know, said to me, 
oh, let's do this this way, let's do this that way. And I mean, there's only one word for it, corruption. Only one word. I was conflicted. I respected this guy. It's like, you should... So I went back to him and I said, I can't do it. I, I mean, that was like treason. If you knew how it was set up, it was like treason. And he said to me, I'm a delonchier. In other words, I just been a child. And I was driving home that day and I said to the God of heaven, I want to remain a child. May I never grow up into corruption. In the name of Jesus. May you never grow up into corruption. If that is what it takes to remain a child. Ah, I'm God's little boy. That's fine. Praise the name of the Lord. When those things kill your passion. When life happens, it kills your passion. I discovered that the church has a skewed understanding of suffering. Because when people suffer, they, they get discouraged. Because we have a skewed understanding of suffering. We think that Jesus says that once you get born again, all your problems are going to be solved. It is not true. He says you will have tribulations. But he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome them. But you will still go through challenges. So when you are going through challenges, and you are getting discouraged, it means you don't understand that you have to go through those challenges. Everybody has their own challenge. So when you are going through a challenge and, you, and it tries to kill your fire, pick yourself up and understand, like Jesus says, the Son of Man must necessarily go to the cross. But it's not going to stay at the cross. On the third day, it's going to rise again. You are going to resurrect. So it's not going to end with the challenges. That's what keeps us going. But there are challenges and they are real. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God, God, you started... in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master, Jesus. He will never give up on you. And never forget that. So, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how you have risen or fallen, God will never give up on you. And he's saying, don't ever forget that. So the things that are happening in life should not, should not discourage you. They shouldn't. Passion killer number one, an unclear purpose. Passion killer number two, an unsupported life. Passion killer number three, passion killer number four, an unfulfilled dream. And passion killer number five, an unresolved conflict. An unresolved conflict. You see, and when you have conflict and you don't resolve them, an unresolved conflict, when you don't have closure, it's, 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 it's like a hole in the tank of your passion. You have a, a tank full of passion. 
then you have an unresolved conflict. It's like a hole. You are going, but it's leaking. You are going, it's leaking. Before you know it, you are dry. You have to stop and plug the hole. Stop and plug the hole. Job 5.2 says, Remember, resentment destroys the fool. Jealousy kills the simple. Resentment doesn't destroy the person you are resenting. Resentment destroys the person that is being resentful. And many times we think we have to maintain the state of resentment so that we will get at the person that we are resenting. It's a trick of the devil to keep us in bondage. It really is. So resentment is allowing someone else to continue to hurt you long after they have hurt you. So they've hurt you. Yes, they've hurt you. But they've gone away. Now you continue to replay it and you continue to make them hurt you. And they make them hurt you and they hurt you again. And you go and you come back and they hurt you again. Meanwhile, they hurt you only once. But you've replayed it a hundred times. Sometimes those people, some of them are even dead. Oh, my late mother did this. Oh, my, look, move on with your life. Let the resentment go. Let it go. It's a choice. You have to make it. Job 18.4, Job 18.4 says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. You are only hurting who? Yourself. With your anger, you are not hurting anybody else. You are only hurting yourself. So just let it go. So somebody offends you. I say the person is alive. Don't just resent the person. Steps to resolution. Go and have a conversation with the person. You did A, B, C. This is how I felt about A, B, C. There's no guarantee that they will repent. But a lot of people will. And a lot of people will apologize, and you should let it go. But some people, after the, the person has apologized, they are still resentful. Some people will not apologize. Some people will say, you should be the one to apologize. And putting insult on the injury. So what do you do? What do you do? One thing you do, it's a huge revelation. Are you ready for it? It's one word. Forgive. Aren't you hearing that for the first time? <laughs> Just forgive. Just forgive. Forgive. Just let it go. Forgive. Go to Jesus and say, I forgive this person. I forgive Ah, in Jesus' name. Release the person. You find out that you are, you are free to live your own life. See, because the, the, the challenge of our life is that life sometimes throws us a curved ball. You need to learn to play the card you have been dealt. You need to learn to play the card you have been dealt. Sometimes life deals us a fake card. You see, 
everyone that has been great have had to go through betrayal, go through all sorts of horrible things, but they were still able to prevail. You know, I want, I want to tell you a story of something that happened yesterday. Just yesterday. <laughs> I was, um, if you watch tennis, this, the French Open is, is going on. They should be playing the finals today or something. There's this guy. They're going to put up the slide. Let me tell you, give you a little bit of background. His name is Novak Djokovic. This guy has had 67 career titles. 67. 12 Grand Slams. He's won Australian Open six times, French Open once, Wimbledon three times, US Open twice. He was world number one for the past two years. He's just world number two this, this year. He's the most cons one of the most consistent tennis players in history. Most resilient. Next slide. David Goffin. He's won only two career titles. How many Grand Slams has he won? How many Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, US Open? Nothing. And they're just maybe two years between them, age-wise. So this guy is not particularly young. He just woke up in a different era, in the wrong era. Where did... <laughs> but he has been working on his game. He's met Novak five times before now. Novak won him easily five times. But in this French Open, it's obviously a whole lot better. And he was on the rise. And he met Novak in the quarterfinals. Guess what? He demolished Novak. Novak didn't have a bad day. I watched, I watched that game. He didn't have a bad day. You know, sometimes you just have a bad day and he, 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 someone that should not even beat you will beat you. It happens. Novak played well. He beat him. Next slide. So he met French Open is played on clay. In the history of the game, there's someone they call the king of clay. And that is who? Rafael Nadal is the king of clay. He's won 69 career titles, 12 Grand Slams, one US Open, hard court, French Open, clay. How many times? Nine times. Wimbledon, grass, how many times? U.S. Open, hard court, twice. And he met Goffin in the semifinals yesterday. <laughs> it was like David and Goliath. Goffin was on fire. He broke Nadal's serve on clay. It was 3-2 up, he had a game point. It was advantage Goffin. It should have won that, we won that before two, that that would not have recovered. I kid you not. 
this guy was on fire. Then something happened. Let's show the video. Confirm long. Cedric Murray will get off his chair to check. Evita, I'll touch Pala. No. No, But he must get the linesman to come over and confirm the mark. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why he's not doing that. Not even close. He went on to lose that match 6 3. He was 3 2 up. The next set, 6 1. Nadal crushed him because he couldn't recover. But you see, that's his life. The umpire made a wrong call. It, it, did you see that replay? It wasn't even close. Everyone that will be great must learn how to reboot his system and recover his passion. Everyone. If you are throwing a pity party, in fact, if you watched it, they booed Nadal. It wasn't Nadal's fault. They hailed him. The crowd was behind him. He still didn't recover. If you are waiting for a pity party, people that wait for pity parties never do anything great. You must, and if you check the guys that have been great, Roger Federer, Nadal, Nova, they've all had moments like that. And they still came back to win the game. Every one of them have had. As sorry as I was for golfing, as I said, a huge life lesson. Life is going to throw you unfair balls. It's unfair. The call is wrong. So where are you going to go from there? Where are you going to go? Gather your relatives and throw a party. Let them come and be rubbing your head. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's unfair. You know, these, these people, they don't like you. Who cares? Get up and move on. Get up and what? Just move on. I'm going to breeze through the rest. Number six, an unnourished soul. When the soul is not nourished, 
every day we are facing challenges and you don't go back to nourish your soul, you lose your passion. Deuteronomy 8.3 People need more than bread for life. Real life comes by feeding on every word of God. That's where real life comes. Proverbs 3.22 Proverbs 3.22 says God's principles will fill you with energy. So when you don't fill yourself with God's word and his principles, you lose energy. You lose passion. You have to be intentional. Romans 12, 11. It says, don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Who should keep you fueled and aflame? You are responsible for your fuel. Keep yourself well and inflamed. When people say, oh, I don't want to go to the house fellowship because I'm not being fed. Like, you don't even understand. You are responsible. You are not supposed to be fed. You are supposed to eat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some people, you, you get it on Wednesday. I know, I know. Number seven. Very quickly. And unapplied truth. An unapplied truth. It's a passion killer. An unapplied truth. If you have truth, you've not applied, it kills the passion. One of the biggest mistakes we make is confusing knowing with doing. You may know something. You may share it on Facebook. You may be able to tweet it. Or share it on YouTube. Or share it on Instagram. But if you don't do it, you really don't know it. It hasn't become a part of you if you don't do it. So, I don't really know something spiritually until I actually am able to act on it and apply it in my life. Let's take the spiritual principle of you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can tweet it. You can share it on Facebook. You can explain it. But until you lay hands on the sick and they recover, you don't know that truth. Give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. You can tweet it, you can share it on Facebook, but if you don't act on it and apply it, you still don't know it. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I was sharing with someone how there was some there was a need somewhere not not here in church and i felt god wanted me to give to that need and it wasn't a little i mean the money was was not small so i looked at it i looked at it i said okay fine i'll do it so i transferred the money it was close to midnight i, I you know i was praying that's when i reflect and you know 
So I, I knew I had to do it. I just transferred the money to the account. <laughs> I woke up. I kid you not. I've had almost 10 times of that money coming from different people into my account. I'm like, where have these people been? I don't understand how it works, but it works. <laughs> oh my goodness. So until you are able to, you don't know it. Second Peter 1.5, make every effort to apply the benefit of God's promises to your life. You have to make every effort. How much effort? Every effort to apply the word of God into your life. So, passion killer number one is what? Unclear purpose number two. Unsupported lifestyle number three. Unbalanced schedule number four. Unfulfilled dream number five. Unresolved conflict number six. Unnourished soul number seven. Unapplied truth and number eight. And unexpressed faith. And unexpressed faith kills the passion. In fact, one of the ways to remain on fire for God, always talk about Jesus. It's like, it's always create fire in your bosom. Always talk about Jesus. If you don't express your faith, the fire will die. Ephesians 4, 15. Let our lives lovingly express truth in all things. Speak truly, dealing truly, living truly. Lovingly express truth. God does not say that we should... You should bully people with the Bible or hit their heads with the Bible. No. Lovingly express truth. And for, for many of us, this truth comes through our life message. Did you know that you have a life message from God? You have a message, a life message. He wants you to say to the world. And it's unique to you. And it's only you that can tell us that message. You have a life message. What is it? What is your life message? I know mine. I'm sharing mine. You don't need to be a pastor. At your business, what is your life message? If you don't share it, two things will happen. Number one, you cheat the world. Number two, you lose your passion. If you don't share your life message, two things will happen. Remember, the um, house help of, of Neyman. Is it Neyman? Yeah. The leprous guy. She had a life message. She shared the life message. And she changed a whole generous fortune. Everybody has a life message. Everybody has a life message. Everybody has a life message. So you, you have to, you are taking in, you have to give out. You know the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? What's the difference? The Sea of Galilee, till today, there's still commercial fishing going on in the Sea of Galilee. It takes in water from a lot of sources, mostly from Lebanon, and pours out. The Sea of Galilee is in the north, the Sea of the Dead Sea is in the south, and pours out many through Jordan River. The Dead Sea takes in mainly through Jordan River. It doesn't pour out anywhere. The Dead Sea 
is dead because nothing can live in it. No fish can live in it. If, you, if, they, if they put you there, even if you can't swim, you cannot sink. It's filled with salt and chemicals and all that because it is taking and not giving. It is taking and not giving. Imagine you say that you want to eat all your food, but you don't want to give, pass it out. It'll be a big problem. Big problem. Many people are spiritually constipated. They are spiritually constipated. Before they say one thing, you know where it is. No, that is Romans chapter 15, verse 44. Oh, that is a, that is a, How many of it has come out of you to bless other people? That's the question. That's the question. So, if you want to be alive... And not just existing. You have to take in and you have to give out. Rick Warren puts it this way, that impression without expression leads to depression. That's what he says. And it's true. Impression without expression leads to depression. The reason you are depressed is that you have no one you are pouring into, you have no one you are sharing with, you have no one you are teaching, you have no one you are sharing, even if you're not teaching, but you are exchanging ideas with. So if you want to stay fresh, vital, alive, Psalm 96 verse 2, amazing scripture, Psalm 96 verse 2 says, each day tell someone that he saves. Each day Tell someone that he saves. Beginning from today, tell somebody Jesus saves. You don't have to be a theologian. This is my story. This is what can happen to you. You could say, oh, someone says, oh, I'm losing passion in my marriage. You say, oh, but my pastor talked about these eight passion killers. Let's go through it. Number one, and you are. Someone says, Oh, my health is failing, finance is failing, I need recovery. Say, Ah, you need to come to church. For fool, you are expressing. That's how to remain fresh, believe me. A lot of people have asked me, friends, colleagues, people are disciples, how do you remain fresh? How do you remain fresh? It's simple. I wear my heart. H A T. I hear, I act, and I teach. You, if you want to remain fresh, you have to invest in books, read your Bible, fresh fire, have CDs, have podcasts. I'm always listening to one podcast or the other. I'm reading two books at the moment. At least, I'm always reading at least two books. Sometimes I'm reading four books. I ask on what I read. And I share what I read. I share what I know. You cannot be around me. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you something you don't know. Even if you don't know it, I'm telling you, you know it already. I'm telling you again. Why? That's how to keep your passion. That's how to stay fresh. These are the three secrets of keeping yourself spiritually energized. So you need to ask yourself, which of these eight passion killers do I need to act on? 
and get rid of. Which of them? Is there an unclear purpose? Do I need to get my purpose sorted out? I need to join the journey. Is it an unsupported lifestyle? I've been trying to be a lone ranger. It's time to serve in church. It's time to join a life group. Is it an unbalanced schedule? Is it an unfulfilled dream? Or an unresolved conflict? You may need to have the tough conversation. Is it an unnourished soul? Oh, you're not applying the truth. You know more than you, you do. And for a lot of people here, I kid you not, it is an unexpressed faith. The reason your fire, spiritual fire is dying is because you are not telling anybody about Jesus. I'm not saying you should be a nuisance. There will always be an opportunity for you to point, for you to give a, a, a CD. Oh, I listen to this CD. Just listen to it. You can talk about the content later. They will ask you questions. You have an opportunity to teach. You have your children. Teach them the word of God. You have your friends, your, your siblings. Teach them the word of God. That is the key to staying fresh. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want you to pray. Just talk to God about what you have heard. You may, be, you may be in this place today and it's an unclear purpose that you, you don't have a clear purpose. And without a clear purpose, you are just going through life by default. You are roaming. You are not going by design. Or you are here, you don't have a supported lifestyle. You have an unsupported lifestyle. You don't have a church family. You are not saved. Or you used to be saved, but you've lost your purpose. I want to pray with you today. You're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I'll pray with you right there. God will lay that upon you. Pray with me, Pastor. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up. That is me. God bless you, my sister at the back over there. That is me. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put it down and, and talk to God. I need to release my life to Jesus. I have an un clear purpose. I'm living an unsupported lifestyle. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Over here, over there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. That is me. Oh, my father, we thank you. Dress up, let's, let's, let's talk to God about what we've heard. Let's, let's talk to him about what we've heard. Father, we, we thank you for everyone that is coming to you today. We ask that you release your life upon them. Change their lives and let your name be glorified. Father, we pray for every one of us that our fire will not go down. That our fire will burn brighter and brighter until we see Jesus. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. Let's pronounce together for the Lord Jesus.